are live. Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Been gone for a while. Absent for the last two days. It happens. Things happen. Job calls. Gotta answer. Now, one of the main things that... First of all, there was, there was so much going on since Monday, since we all last spoke. You're talking about... Indiana Pacers, you know, deciding Frank Vogel is no longer the guy. You got the New York Mets are starting to hit like crazy again. Except for that one game against the Braves and what's going on with Matt Harvey. The Yankees are struggling. A-Rod's on the DL. You got uh, Severino can't field, you know, he can't field his position. Chapman's coming back. I'm just giving you like the nice quick rundown. The Islanders blew a uh, pretty much they they blew Game Three at home in Barclays, and they are now forced with a huge, huge game tomorrow night. Got that situation, of course the the disappearance of the the backcourt of the Toronto Raptors. Because we're going to spend a lot of time on the NBA. There's, there's so many uh, different questions regarding what's going on with Kyle Lowry. What's going on with DeMar DeRozan. These guys just don't seem to have it. It's like in a regular season, they were so good. So good. But then we get to the playoffs and it's, it's, it's like a totally different team. They're falling apart. Also on tap, we got... The uh, situation, the Lakers, obviously Luke Walton is the new head coach. Congratulations to him. Kobe Bryant's on Ellen. How about that? Referees don't know what's a foul and what's not a foul anymore. That's a bigger question. Why is that even, how is, how is that possible that they still don't know? I mean, you're talking about the game between the San Antonio Spurs, Oklahoma City Thunder, Deion Waiters is inbounding the ball. He basically pushes Ginobili out of the way before he throws it in. I've never heard or seen that before. And then, you know, of course, it wasn't called, and it was a big controversy. And then the, afterwards, the, the referees tweeted out, our bad, you know, we made a mistake. Really, our bad? We made a mistake? That's that's what we have to deal with here? That whole situation's a mess. The Knicks coaching situation is just even more of a mess. You got Phil Jackson right now in Montana on vacation. On vacation. The team doesn't have a, a head coach, a plan at all. Heading into the draft, obviously there's no draft pick. Perfect time to go on vacation. Perfect time. Come on, Phil. You you know, and I can't let up on Phil because it's New York. He won championships in New York. He knows New York. This isn't smart. It's just not. You got a franchise that is reeling for years 
for not just a champion for a winner we want to win it's like it, it seems so secondary to him you know you let all these good coaches go and frank vogel is the latest victim and we're gonna hear more regards to that later but you got his situation you know you gotta you gotta see if you can get him that's that would be the obvious thought It's a, it's a mess, a complete mess. You got that going on, and it's it's just out of control. I'm looking at some of the other things. Uh, rookie minicamp started today, so all the rookies are you know getting their first taste. They got their first numbers and everything, and and they're ready to just hit the field and and learn. They got rookie minicamp starting today for all NFL teams. I know some people are worried about that. Some people want to see how Jared Goff looks. Some people want to see how Carson Wentz is looking. But the Giants, Eli Apple, Sterling Shepard, a lot of a lot of a lot of hope there in terms of the wide receiver position for the Giants because I feel like they didn't they really didn't do enough via linebacker. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's something that they know that we don't know. That's what we're hoping for if you're a Giants fan. Another thing that really caught me by surprise is just looking at with baseball and you know this this PED thing, D Gore and obviously in 80 games are saying there's more players that will be suspended. It's tough. Because you want to see the best players on the field. And I understand, you know, the stance by baseball in terms of you can't just allow this to happen. You have to punish those that are not following the rules i get it you got to do it you know but it's tough if you're buying tickets and you're like hey i want to see d gordon play i want to see this person play i want to see that person play and they're suspended it's uh, it's rough people work hard they want to go to see a baseball game they want to see their best players play it's nothing wrong with that but you know, it's uh, I understand the rule. It's a tough situation for any sport, and obviously baseball to deal with. You know, you throw 80 game suspensions out there, 30 game suspensions out there, a lot of games. And it's funny how some players still don't learn their lessons. They continue to do the same things over and over again. So I don't know. You know, that's going on in baseball. Uh, Daniel Murphy hitting the cover off the ball right now. And Neil Walker's doing pretty good too, so Mets fans don't get too jealous. Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. Just signed the biggest contract in baseball history, apparently, with, uh, I think it was Under Armour. So much for, uh, you know, him sticking to the plan. He, he, he's, you can't get mad at a guy like Bryce Harper after a while. He continues to, to deliver on the field. Yes, he's loud. Yes, he's rambunctious. Yes, he's all these things. But he gets the job done. He gets the job done. And I can't wait to see him in pinstripes. That's on the personal side. I can't wait to see that.
Now, I know I'm going a little bit all over the place, but I forgot to mention another big game that happened in the NBA. This actually happened last night. 25 three-pointers made by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is an NBA record, and especially in the playoffs, that's it's incredible. 25 three-pointers made. Now, this record has been broken three times during this, these playoffs to let you know how much these players are in love with the three-point line. Now, there's been some uh, discussion. Charles Barkley mentioned it about how he was disappointed in the Hawks for not putting a couple of those Cavalier players, you know, on their behind, basically. And there's some truth to that. I mean, in the 90s, you'd never get away with that. That's why the record stood so long. There would be a little chippiness, you know? Hawks kind of just laid down and died. To be quite frank with you. There's something to be said about leaving a statement with a team and letting them know, like, hey, we're not just going to let you push us around. And I think the Hawks failed in delivering that message. Down by as many as, like, 40 points. You just don't... What have you proven? What have you proven? It's a tough call for any team to to have to, you know, go through. Because, let's be honest, a blowout's a blowout, but we get blown out on national TV, the only game of the night in the playoffs, and still to the Cavaliers, the team that knocked you out of conference finals in a sweep when you were the favorite. Not a good situation to be in. Just not. Now, there's also some interesting things that happened on Inside the NBA last night. I'm going to play some of those clips between Charles Barkley and... uh. Charles Oakley, the former New York Knick great, Oakley uh, tweeted out his feelings in regards to Charles Barkley, saying that he was soft and he should not go at the city of Cleveland. And uh, Barkley had some pretty interesting words back to him, as Barkley does not use Twitter. He's big on not using social media. That was pretty interesting last night. It was funny how people got a rise out of that. I'm like, that's that's the story you get a rise out of? That situation? But who knows? Who knows? But what I do know is you can call me up. 516-900-2278. At Ed Easton Jr. is the Twitter. It's a Thursday. It's a nice, mellow Thursday for everybody. Actually, happy Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo also. So we'll definitely uh, get some nice songs on there for, in, in honor of Cinco de Mayo. Get that a little bit later in the show. And we're going to have fun. It's going to be festive. Everybody else will be festive today. Let's be festive as well. And like I said, enjoy it. Cinco de Mayo activities because there will be plenty. I'm hoping to get some as well. Let's see what happens. Who knows? You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We had, we had,
And we're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Once again, call us on 516-900-2278. And um, like now I'm looking at just everything going on in regards to this whole Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers series. It's got to be one of the, like, probably one of the more obvious situations in regards to a team not a team just doesn't have respect for the other team and I do understand a lot of what was going on and if you watch the game last night Cleveland had no fear in anything they did even the night before even their uh, first game it just seems like Cleveland has no respect for the Atlanta Hawks and this is a team that's pretty good let's put it in perspective but the Cavaliers seem like they got more of a challenge out of the Detroit Pistons than they do the Hawks so far. And when a team is hot the way they were, it's it's almost it's almost impossible to stop them. And just to give you an idea, if you missed it and you really want to hear just how these threes were coming about, and it's it's ridiculous. That's that's all I gotta say. They it was pretty much like a video game, just trying to understand what was going on. Boston, and you saw a little bit of that rust by the Cavaliers in that first half. J.R. Smith gets his first three to go. And Thompson's defense again right there. It's Kyrie Irving. One for three. And LeBron the other way. One of two so far. Finding Irving. Three is down. Seven points. Five of ten from downtown. He just got screened by LeBron who puts up a three. He hit his first three-point attempt in game one. He hits his first three-point attempt here in game two, and a quick seven for James. And Cephalosha slows it down. James, what a pass! Irving, love three! Kevin Love has knocked down a couple triples! Smith three. Smith, the Cavalier five. Amon Shepard will drive on quarter, who's back in. Touch pass, Smith three. Oh! Every chamber is filled. 41% from the field. Smith three over quarter. Are you kidding me? What a magnificent wow. first quarter from long range for Smith. Players ever to do it that can play five positions for you. Here comes LeBron with a three. Turnover, six now. Fry, three from LeBron. Six turnovers for 17 points. Bear for the Cavaliers with about three minutes gone here in the second quarter. Screen by Shepard, a sidestep by Corver, outside Kelvin over three. By LeBron, his third rebound, a spin by Teague, a drive into Muscala, Delavidova, Shepard driving, kicking, Jefferson with a triple. There it is, tied the record. Tied the record of 20 made threes versus Detroit. Delavidova is out, Kyrie is in, a three from James. Oh my goodness, number 13. They won five in a row after sweeping Detroit. Here is Fry, good ball movement, open Irving three. 14 of them. Down for Cleveland. I don't know anybody that can do anything different. Love with the screen, the switch on defense. Smith with a three. I mean, what do you do? Seriously, what do you do on that? Smith, the fake. Corbett flies by another three. No! No! 
Get done. Delavidova, three, Jefferson, Booker. Love, three. <laughs> they have made 18 three-point shots in the half. Third in these playoffs. It makes it almost about 11. Smith, three, unbelievable. <laughs> Off balance, fading out of bounds. It's nothing but net. On the wing, and Irving will carve. LeBron tees up a triple. It continues. Irving to James. Kyrie triple. 21. 21 three-point makes. Just alluded to first. During the playoffs with 14. Could this be the record yeah. breaker? It is 22. Putting in the books. Offered by Kyrie Irving. Because their seasons were both so incredibly good. Shepard. 3. 23. Then New Jersey Nets. Move on the rookie. Outside Dante Jones. Did I call it? There is the record. Did I call that or what? He was signed April 13th. His three-point shot makes a 24. Done from distance. Here, here, my friend. Here, here. Mo Williams adds to it. And that's the uh, record. 25 three-pointers made by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you heard a lot of J.R. Smith. The guy was unconscious for most of the night. Just... You know, going back to what he was with the Knicks in terms of him being hot at the right time and crazy shots off balance, off the dribble. It, it was uh, it was like a, it was a scrimmage, let's be honest. I haven't even seen a team get that hot ever from beyond the arc. And it, it, was, it was very disturbing to see if you're a Hawks fan. I think even Hawks Twitter was making fun of the situation, talking about how it was basically, you know, they had the Jordan, the Jordan face was on there, on their score at one point. They couldn't believe it. They said they would be a lot closer if they didn't have so many three-pointers against them. It, it was a lot of jokes going around regards, in regards to the uh, the performance being put on by the, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. It, it was incredible and just a great team effort. I mean, the team really got the job done. That's all. It, that's really all that matters. So, hey, what can you do? And obviously, we were all asking this question going into it and, you know, saying, like, what what type of team, like, how do you respond after getting beat that bad, that, that was the biggest question we were all asking us. We were all asking, and I don't know. I, I remember back in the '90s how it used to be, and I'm going to play what Charles Barkley said in a moment. But I think I've never seen a team get that wide open, like so many times. These were a lot of these, these shots were uncontested. Like, let's not uh, get that. You know, misconstrued. A lot of the stuff was uncontested. It, it was ridiculous how they just continued to get shot after shot after shot. I, I don't know what else they were going to do in regards to it. But uh, it was really a, uh, a bad situation all around if you're a, a Hawks fan. it's There's nothing you can you could really even say after after losing like that. It, it's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing loss. You know, and I I don't know what you're going to take from it. You go into game three hoping that you can uh, try to turn the fortunes around. But it, it's it's just not going to be a pretty sight. 
And uh, this is what they had to say, the Inside the NBA crew. And like I said, Charles Barkley was very, very vocal in regards to the performance from the Atlanta Hawks. Thank you very much, Kevin. The, uh, the Cavs go up 2-0. Beat down to his very last compound. 123-98. to They led by as many as 41 in that game and set an NBA Ooh. record. 25 threes made in the game, which is more than has been made in any game, regular season or postseason. I got a vent, Ernie. Why? A vent. Are we a going vet. straight to the show? We are in the course of doing that, yeah. But what's your, what's your vent? Atlanta Hawks got to take somebody out, Ernie. Let me tell you something. I'm when you say take them out, what do you mean? I mean, when touch them up or take them out? T- touch no, up. take them out. Oh, man, you can't no, you say can't. that on national TV. Yes, just I say, can. Just say touch them No, up. no, no, you can't. No. You can't Ernie, hurt nobody, Chuck. You're not trying to hurt them. Well, that's take them out, man. No, hurt no, them. You're not trying to. You got to take somebody out. You can't. Ernie, when a team is just embarrassing you, shooting threes when the game is way over, just trying to set a record, you have to knock the hell out of them, Ernie. Not for this game to set the tone for the next game. You just can't let... Chris I, Humphreys did it. He yeah, did it one time. No, but you got to do it more. Because they were just going for the record at some point, Shaq. Yeah. We were sitting there watching that game. Ernie, I, you know, it's like... But the, if you put me in the position no. to go for the record because Ernie, you're, you're your lack it. of defense right. that you've played throughout Ernie, it the 43 minutes... It wasn't lack of defense, lack of defense Ernie, you're saying? The because last, of the 43 minutes of lack of defense that dude, you allowed me to get this... Now when I'm close to something historical, I'm not going to... I can't go for it? Ernie... Listen, we just think different. I'm just asking. I'm just saying, if you keep shooting threes, I got to take you down one time really hard. Because you're at this point. I agree with that, Come on, man. Listen, whether America think I'm right or wrong, I don't care. Not take them out, though. You know, just touch them up a little bit. You got to touch them up good, though. Just send them a message. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You got to do it, man. Because take them out is a really, really, really negative. Listen, you never want anybody to get hurt. Like, in hockey, you send your goon out there. We don't have a goon, so we're going to send Shaq out there yeah, to touch take somebody. Up. Touch him up. You got to touch him up. Touch him up. You can't keep shooting threes on me, Ernie. Yep. You're down 30. I took all my starters out the game, and you just – He took his starters out. But yeah. you, you said something. You said in the agreement, you says, these guys are wide open for – Moss Golf is wide open. They, they're just looking for threes. Looking for threes. And so you got to take them out. You agree or not? I don't agree that you take them out. I would be – no, I, I don't agree. Only because you, for 44 minutes you didn't play any defense okay. and allowed them to have something in stores. Looks like a guy having 48 points, and he's like, "Yo, you allow me to get 48." No, and that's now not that the I'm same. going for 50, that's, that's not the same. This is actually better because no. it's, they did something that no one yeah. in the history of the game has done. But they were trying to do it. I, of course they were. I went no, down no, no. too. I'm Ernie, trying to get Ernie, 50. If, it ha- if, if records happen in the flow of the game. That's different. But, like, when you got – first of all, if it was a close game, that's totally different also. When you got a 30-, 40-point lead and you saying, hey, guys, let's just tour with these guys. Let's don't take layups. Let's just go for threes. That's disrespectful. And the reason I would have did it, the reason I would have did it, I've got to set the tone for the next game. Because you're telling me we don't respect y'all. All right. We have much more to well, talk about. What are we going to talk about after that ass-kicking? <laughs> What, uh, what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> oh, there are a few things we can come well, up with. I, I think Inside, the, I think the 24 next. threes before the 25th said we don't respect you. <laughs> before that one. That was uh, last night. The guys were inside the NBA discussing it. And Charles Barkley, you know, as bold as he is, makes a very good point. 
you just cannot sit back and just get destroyed like that and and not send a message they were taking a lot of yolo threes you know just to extend it out and it, it was it was a bit much I, let's put it in perspective for anybody that thinks otherwise it should never get to that point never there should never be a, a moment where you just don't you know what i'm saying there, there is no respect for the other team and that's that's really what this comes down to. I mean, it was it was just a a straight up beat down, no no disregard for uh anything going on with the Hawks and that's tough. Just a uh, a tough situation for them. I don't know what the Hawks are going to do to bounce back because they didn't show any fight at all in that game. But like I said, even beaten before, you go you go home. You have a chance to really uh to really recover and they're going to need as much time as possible just to get back on track, just to get the team to feel like they have a chance in this series. Cause if they don't feel like they have a chance in this series, then what's the point? And that's, that's really what it comes down to. Cause I, I just didn't see anything from this team that had led me to believe that they can win this series at all. Just not a good uh, situation. If you're the Atlanta Hawks and you, you want to build from it. This should be motivation enough to go into game three and uh, come back out with a better effort because this, this was uh, rather disturbing, rather disturbing stuff. Now, the other thing that I do want to bring up is Charles Oakley and Charles Barkley got to a, it was like a mini little, uh, not really a disagreement. It's just, you know, Oakley called him out on Twitter and it apparently you know, got, got Charles Barkley a little upset. And that was, that was just one of the things that, you know, you, you kind of want to, want to think about. They've gotten to actually two fights before. This was when, uh, back in 1987 and 1996 played for different teams in 1987. It was when, uh, Barkley was on the Sixers and, uh, Oakley's with the Bulls. They had, they got into a little bit of a fight. So, uh, this also back in 1996, I should say, the uh, other fight was when he was with the Knicks. Oakley was with the Knicks, and Barkley was with the Houston Rockets. They got into another uh, back and forth. So it's uh, it's always something. And like I said, Charles Oakley, you know, he, he had started off, he had a very interesting tweet this, uh, in regards to what he was seeing on Inside the NBA. And, of course, being inside the NBA, they definitely talked about it on air. So uh, this is what Charles Barkley had to say in regards to uh, Charles Oakley calling him out. Charles Oakley better stop talking stuff about Cleveland he was never tough you hide behind TNT oh what I say about Cleveland I'm curious no, you said you talked about Atlanta needing to touch up the cat oh, I don't have to worry about my tough Charles Oakley doesn't like me which is no big deal uh, I don't like him or dislike him I don't think about him <laughs> he's not important enough for me to think about who Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley's a good dude, man. He, I, he, he don't like me. I have no idea why. I think I know why. Because you'd be saying stuff you should be saying on TV sometimes when people... No, go ahead, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> people talk to you in private. Or you see a tweet. <laughs> the show has taken a very mysterious turn. Ernie, it was a boring game. it was a boring game. You want us to get on TV after a forty-point game and act like we're where the guard is right? I think it's our job. The last time I checked, yeah, it is our I job. Could be wrong, oh. but I doubt it. I'm talking about uh, why Oakley don't like him. In fact, I know. Charles Oakley 
getting into it, obviously, with Charles Barkley. They they uh, played it off pretty nicely, just kept it. They kept it PG. Uh, Oakley and Barkley obviously have a past, and like I was just saying, with the two fights they've had before, this isn't too much of a big surprise if you follow their careers. Uh, we're going to do that. We'll step aside, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social here with Ed Easton on Soundcast FM. Get out, step out into the street where all of the action is right. 
Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And, uh, you know, obviously today we are celebrating Cinco de Mayo. So uh, if you have any requests that are Cinco de Mayo related, once again, 516-900-2278. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at Ed Easton Jr., and I'll get that on for you. Now, the other big news, obviously, going on this week in the NBA is was in regards to the no-call at the end of the Oklahoma City Thunder and San Antonio Spurs Game 2 matchup. And uh, it, it was really awkward because it was Dion Waiters, in, you know, inbounding the ball. And he, like I say, pushed off on Manu Ginobili while he was inbounding the ball. And that's something that you just don't see. And that should be an automatic violation. That was the thought. Now, it wasn't called. And uh, it, it, it was a bit of an outrage afterwards. It was a lot of people checking to see who was going on in the replay booth. Who could they talk to? It was a. Uh, it was definitely something that they they just didn't understand how to really, you know, deal with it. And we found the next day 
they made a mistake. So uh, I'm going to actually go to play the tape from when uh, the senior VP of the replay booth, um, Joe um, Borgia, he he's actually works in Secaucus. He um, was able to describe what happened, give his opinion on it, because it was a it, it cost San Antonio the game. A lot of people could say that. You know, of course, San Antonio is never going to say that. They're just going to say that, oh, well, this should have been, uh, we should have done this better. We should have done that better. It, it's a, it was a very awkward situation. So uh, we're going to hear the thoughts. And this is from uh, Inside the NBA. They talked about this about uh, two days ago. It's also some uh, good stuff. So we'll check that out. Confusing 13 and a half seconds in sports, the finish of the Oklahoma City-San Antonio game. The NBA released its last two-minute report and said the officiating crew missed five calls in the last 13 and a half seconds. And here they were at AT&T Center. Number one, Manu Ginobili stepping over the line. That should have been a, a, a technical foul shot by OKC. Then you had the contact waiters on Ginobili. Should have been ruled a foul. The third, well, you got... Patty Mills all over Steven Adams. That should have been called. So should this. Kawhi Leonard with a hold of Russell Westbrook's jersey. And the fifth missed call. After the Mills miss, it's LaMarcus Aldridge who is fouled by Serge Ibaka. But the game ends 98-97, much to the chagrin of Greg Popovich. Joe Borgia is the NBA's senior vice president of replay and referee operations. Joe, look, I know it's a tough job. Nobody in their right mind would want to do it. But how concerned are you that five mistakes were made in the closing seconds of a one-point playoff game? Well, Ernie, it wasn't our best 13 seconds. I mean, you know, we have to be real. But, you know, when you're watching the game live in real time, most of those errors weren't seen. I mean, I think there was one major obvious one that all the fans and everybody saw, and that was the offensive foul during the throw-in by Waiters. All the other plays, they weren't observed until post-game when you start reviewing and you start looking at you know, every player and picking and saying, oh, look, this, this and that. Now, with that said, they are all errors. They all should have been called. If we got the first one, the other four never would have happened. Joe, let me ask you two questions. Number one, do you think with technology, now with 3D, 4D televisions, the ability to slow calls down that puts you uh, officials at a disadvantage. Number one, that's my first question. But also, secondly, I think it's very unfair for the NBA to come out after the fact and tell officials they made mistakes. Can you answer those two questions, please? Well, Charles, if, if you go back in the past, we used to release when there was you know, a major error by a referee at the end of a game that possibly cost the team a game. But we never released any of the great no calls or good calls they made. So really, with the, uh, you know, the last two-minute report, we have a standard of exactly when the reports are going to go out, five points or less, or any time a game goes to overtime. And really, if you look at the body of work over the course of a season or, you know, a referee's body of work, they're very accurate. Okay, this was an unfortunate play that it was like helter skelter out there, and one thing seemed to lead to the other, and the next thing you know, you you have five errors in a very short period of time. Joe, it's Shaq. Uh, Chuck played 20 years. I played 20 years. Kenny played 18 years. Do you think the ref didn't make the call because the play was never uh, been seen before? 
You know, Shaq, I, I don't know. I did not talk to the refs. Uh, you know, the, the referee that was on the throw-in, you know, he's got his count going. You had waiters who was sort of had room behind him but kept inching forward. You got Ginobili jumping back forth, left and right. You're down to about four seconds, and all of a sudden something happens. And I think as, as a referee, I know I was in here, I go, what did he just do? He didn't just do that, did he? And, and by the time you process it and think about it, the play is over, and all of a sudden Durant's catching a ball, and he's on the floor, and then it's too late to get it. So it, it may have surprised them a little bit because they've never seen it before, but there was so much going on. The referee, like I said, with the count, watching Ginobili, watching Waiters, a lot of stuff, and it just, it was probably too much. So can we get a, a real accurate, just on the play with Waiters and Ginobili, because that's the one that most people hadn't seen before. What should have been the call? What should have happened? And what would have been corresponded if that was called? Well, Kenny, you're right. That, that was the elephant of all of them. That's the one, you know, all the fans in the arena and on TV saw. So basically we have... Once the offensive player is given the ball by the referee, any illegal contact by an offensive player should be deemed an offensive foul. Now, normally you're talking about the four offensive players on the court setting an illegal screen or pushing somebody away, but it, you have to include the thrower in. And he does lean forward and give a shove with his elbow forearm, which dislodged Ginobili. Therefore, it should have been an offensive foul called, and San Antonio would take possession at that spot, and the game clock would have stayed at 13.5. And it's not a technical foul. Not the, per not the offensive foul would not be a technical foul, gotcha. no. Well, first of all, I just learned this. I got two quick questions before we finish up. Number one, if Ginobili comes across the line in the last couple of minutes, is that a it used to be a delay of game. Now it's a technical it's a delay of game, but because it happens in the last two minutes at the throw-in spot, it becomes an automatic technical foul. And that was instituted when all the teams were taking the delay so they could see what the offense was running, putting the offense at an unfair disadvantage. So the rules and competition at that time said, we need to penalize that with a technical foul on the first delay. Okay, now, second question, me and Shaq got a bet. When you're in the uh, replay booth all night, are you drinking gin or vodka martinis when you're sitting there all night? There, there was a lot of us could have used the drink last night, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Borgia, we appreciate you taking Thank you, the Joe. time. Thank you, Joe. And, uh, Thanks for having and me, guys. If, if there is an upside to all of this, Joe, it's this. Next time you're in Atlanta, to tape the show on NBA TV, making the call. You already have an episode already in the can uh, for next season. Thanks a Thanks, lot. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, Joe. Back. That was uh, obviously Joe Borgia talking about it. He's a senior vice president of the Replay Center. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people didn't know what the right call was in that situation. But he pointed out a couple other things. And, and they even showed it in, like, a video saying how there was a uh, push-off there from Kawhi Leonard. There was uh, a Mono Ginobili crossing the line, and uh, that would have been a technical foul automatically, so it wouldn't have mattered. There were so many other things that were missed. So it's a very uh, interesting thing. For, third, for those final 13 seconds, five calls to be missed. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of answering, a lot of questions that need to be answered in regards to what each team had to do and 
who had enough time. It was just a lot. So I don't know. I'm I'm going to be uh, honest with you. I think the referees do a decent job, but when it comes to a, a playoff game and there's so many people watching, you're going to get the controversy you got. So it, you see if they clear it up next time. It's it's anybody's guess. But uh, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't see the rules changing any more than they actually have. I feel like they have already a pretty good procedure in terms of checking with replay, and it takes long enough as it is because you're basically begging for every play to be reviewed by replay, and that's gonna that's gonna drive even more people insane. I don't even think you want to do that. That's that's not the best way to go. I think you just gotta handle the situation, move on. Do better next time. That's the best way to do it. As easy for me to say, obviously, not being uh, a fan of the San Antonio Spurs or not being a member of the Spurs, but you got to just move on and see what else is out there because that's just not going to get it done. It, it, you can't change any more rules. It's 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 over. It's <laughs> it's over. It's over with now. You kind of just have to deal with the result and move on. Easier said than done. I completely understand. Uh, once again, I'll take your calls, 516-900-2278. Like I said, we're just going through some of the uh, NBA playoff action and uh, talk about some of the things that were going on. Now, the other series that we really haven't talked about much is the uh, Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat. Insane shot made by Kyle Lowry to send it to overtime. You have, you have Dwayne Wade pretty much going vintage Wade and making big shot after big shot. He's proven he can still get it done. You know, obviously, older age, one of the older players in the league. Still getting it done. He's a little push shot now. Uh, the other controversy was regarding the health of Chris Bosh. Uh, a lot of people didn't know if Chris Bosh would be available to play. There seems to be always... There's always a, a, a question on whether or not he should play and and would you allow him to play. That's... That's the biggest thing. I don't know if I would allow him to play. And uh, obviously, the, the news has come out that he has been ruled out for the rest of the playoffs. His situation is uh, is odd because they haven't really revealed completely what it is. We know that he's sick, but we don't know how serious it is. You know, and that's the that's the biggest problem. We talk about it all the time, but. How serious is the uh, sickness? And that's that's the uh, sad part about it. If we can figure that out, it'll be a lot easier, I think, for a lot of people to understand. Because he's saying he wants to play. He hasn't been cleared by doctors. It's, uh... It's just really, uh... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really uh, sad situation for him to deal with. You definitely want to see him out there. I think there's nobody that doesn't want to see Chris Bosh out there. That's the that's the biggest thing. And, you know, the players are obviously still going to be behind him. But I think for him, for a guy who just became a father again, you know, his, uh, his wife had another baby recently. You got to start thinking about your health. That's the most important thing. There's no, uh, there's no other way to look at it. That should be number one priority over anything that he, he does. And that's being there for his family. So, you know, it's 
it's rough. But uh, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta just, you know, gotta be smart about it. You gotta be smart about the situation and dealing with it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because, um, I could just, you know, like think about players that, you know, you can have a near death experience like that. It, it's not as easy as it says to just come right back. It's uh, a tough, tough comeback for him. And like I said, we wish him all the best. We don't know what is uh, what's going to happen if he is ever going to be cleared. You know, it's definitely a, uh, a tough spot. So uh, Chris Bosh, you know, good guy in this league. Definitely going to have to be uh, thinking about what his plans are. And if there isn't, you know, if there is a career you know, after basketball, because that's, that's what a lot of people are going to want to know. But, uh, we will see. We will definitely see. And I know, uh, Chris Bosch, hopefully he's, there's no lawsuit we're talking about with the NBA. Cause that was the, uh, NBA, you know, the NBA player association. They got involved with it. They said they're just focused on making sure Chris Bosch is healthy. That's the uh, number one goal above anything else. So that's what they feel about it. That's how we're all going to feel about it. Basketball is secondary to his life. Uh, once again, we're going to keep taking your calls. 516-900-2278. We'll step aside for another break. You're listening to Sports Social here with Soundcast. Oh, no, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. So excited. Cinco de Mayo. This is what happens. We'll be right back.
Back Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. Happy single de Mayo, everybody. And, uh, you know, once again, like I said, I'm playing music in honor of the holidays. So uh, chime in, call up 516-900-2278, or hit me up at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. Now, going into, obviously, the other big stories that have been going on in sports, you're talking about the NFL draft, the fallout from that, the feedback from that. Uh, a couple of teams, you know, they have good grades out there. We, we, I spoke with Stan Talouise about it. I spoke with uh, Claude LaRoche in regards to it. And they both agreed on some of the picks in regards to the backup quarterback position with the Jets. Jets still don't have a starter right now, but picking up Hackerberg and uh, having Bryce Petty, having Geno Smith, they're pretty set right now. Uh, moving forward, you, you got to look at like guys like Connor Cook that were taken and uh, what they, how they'll pan out if they're going to even try and play uh, behind a guy like Derek Carr. Now, as always, the NFL has released, well, started to release their top 100 players of 2016. It's one of their, uh, it's one of their things that they've done annually, and uh, so far they have a couple of players named. We know who number 100 is, and that is uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr is number 100 on this list. And uh, I think that's, I don't know if this is his debut or not, but uh, it's a pretty good spot. You got number, nine, number 99 is uh, Cameron Jordan, uh, defensive end for the New Orleans Saints. Then you have Jarvis Landry. That is the uh, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He comes in at number 98. 97, Richie Incognito. That is the guard for the Buffalo Bills. Also from the Buffalo Bills, Sammy Watkins. He's at number 96. 95, you go Mike Daniels. He is uh, he actually is a defensive offensive tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Gary Gary Barnage, he is the uh, tight end for the Cleveland Browns. Very good tight end. Jeremy Macklin at number 93 for the Kansas City Chiefs. At number 92, you have Andrew Luck. And then also at number 91, a Travis Kelsey. So pretty interesting list so far when you look at it. Pretty interesting. I still think there's some players that should be higher, but we'll see how it goes. Travis Kelsey coming in at number 91. One of those players that, uh, you know, just makes an impact everywhere he goes. So uh, you got to think that he deserves it. The guy made a lot of big plays. And uh, you know you can't take my word for it. You can hear from you can hear from some of his actual peers or their thoughts on Travis Kelsey at number ninety-one. Why do you belong in the top one hundred? Because I work for it every single day of the week, man. That's what separates the decent players from the great players. When Kansas City breaks the huddle, you never quite know where Travis Kelsey will line up. They call him a tight end. And just like another AFC beast who wears number 87, Rob Gronkowski, Kelsey excels over the middle and is a load to bring down. Kelsey. Is he a young Gronk? Um, I'm not sure. 
Kelsey is only five months younger and five pounds lighter than Gronk. And he does a lot of Gronk things. Not only does the guy put up unbelievable numbers, but a lot of that is made off of yards after catch. If you were to ask me who has the best stiff arm, Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski have best stiff arms for the tight end position in the NFL. They have that stiff arm mastered. Alex Smith's the guy who goes to tight ends a lot, and he's got a great one there with Travis. Smith finding Kelsey. The big body with the slant, so the defensive back doesn't have a prayer. Hey! Nice job on Texas. You, roll, you snapped inside on that, huh? Sweet. His route running is more precise than Gronk. Gronk don't have to do much to run a route. He just push you and body you and catch the ball. You're like, man, I can't do nothing about it. Kelsey has a little bit more wiggle in his routes. <laughs> There was a certain coverage against Houston in the playoff game where I knew the type of leverage that this guy had. If I stemmed him a certain way, if I got him leaning just a little bit, that I'd be able to break out and go up and get the ball. It worked like clockwork. Alex put the ball right where it needed to be and first down Chiefs. How sweet is that? It's like a symphony. I never thought I'd say this, but I think this is the second coming of Gronkowski. He has that kind of talent and he's only in his third year. Number 91, Travis Kelsey, and hey, you know what? You gotta, you gotta admit the guy's a beast, and I think at tight end he's only gonna get better. Uh, you're talking about a guy that at the end of the day just makes plays, and uh, that's what they talk about the whole conversation with him and Gronkowski. Is he a next Gronkowski? We'll see. But uh, the NFL Network is airing it every Wednesday at 8 p.m. The top 100 players. It's always fun. You see where your favorite player ends up. Definitely check that out. Plenty of good stuff. In regards to who's left and from the top 10 from the bottom 10 I just named you got guys like Andrew Luck in there and that's mostly because he was injured but uh he's somebody that you want to you would expect to have a more of a bigger uh a bigger impact this time around so uh we'll see we will definitely see when it comes to when it comes to uh Travis Kelsey's and uh, Andrew Luck's will they start to build off of the momentum that they have already it's uh it's going to be a very uh, stacked bunch when you look at some of the players that did come in. Um, I'm just looking at Jared Goff and what he could bring to a team like L.A. Rams, and I'm looking forward to seeing the progression. And for the first time, I think we get to see a number one pick start off on Hard Knocks. So that's going to be very different for everybody. And uh, just, you know, just once again to see his progression going into everything so it's going to be a fun a really a fun time playoff wise for these teams now making a transition over from one hitting sport to another you're talking about the National Hockey League and the Rangers not the Rangers the Islanders I should say were, you know, enjoying the late game magic they had against the Florida Panthers, but this time around, he kind of bit them in the back, you know, losing a losing a huge game three to Tampa Bay in overtime. They led with about 40 seconds left, and uh, it just fell apart from there. So just a, a tough break for the Islanders and just having to um, bounce back after a game like that and 
I don't know, the game five, game four, I'm sorry, will be on Friday. So uh, definitely check that out. But uh, this is how it ended for the Islanders in that infamous game three, game three finish. Callahan, ahead for Brian Boyle. Boyle, down the right side, drops it off for Callahan. Now Hedman moves it and shoots wide. Boyle with the puck, he scores! An overtime winner for Brian Boyle. The Tampa Bay Lightning win game three. And Kenny, Brian Boyle laid a hit on Thomas Hickey, and Thomas Hickey was not able to get back into the play. And Brian Boyle is the guy who ends up putting the game winner in the net off a shot that goes wide, but this all started with a big hit by Brian Boyle on Thomas Hickey. See right there on the left side of your screen, watch Hickey slow to get to his feet. It's an odd man rush for the, for the Lightning. Hedman shoots this wide. And right there off the lively boards, it comes right to Brian Boyle, and he's able to put it into the net. You see the hit right here. Hickey hit somewhat high by Boyle. No call on the play. He's late to get back in the play. And wouldn't you know it, the guy that laid the hit is the guy who ends up getting the puck on the doorstep, and he puts it home for the win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. His first career playoff overtime goal, Brian Boyle. Wins it for the Lightning, his 12th career postseason goal. At 2.48 of overtime. And that was, uh, that was a call on NBC Sports Network by uh, Kenny Albert. Talk about that game winner in overtime. And this was, a, this was actually a, uh, a trend, apparently, with overtime because just last night we had another overtime winner in the game between the uh, Capitals and the Penguins. The Penguins taking a have a surprising 2-1 lead in the series. They get the game-winning goal to go up three games to one and gets the top overall seed in the NHL. So uh, just take a listen to this one. Position, one out to Daly, and it was spiked away. A saving move by Tamara. Now along for Sheary, through one in front. On the Weber, win for the Penguins right there. They now go up three games to one against the number one seed, and a lot of people felt like the eventual Stanley Cup champions, so uh, very uh, very rare air for the uh, for Ovechkin and crew for Washington to see if they can um, come back and come back with a clutch win because they need one badly in uh, game five, and that should be uh, in a couple of days, I believe on Saturday, so check that out. 
a lot of good things going on as always and um, we're going to do is take our last break you're listening to sports social with ed easton here on soundcast fm
to center field. Jason Smith back to the warning track, back at the wall. It's out of here! Second of the game for Lucas Duda. When Lucas starts hitting home runs, they usually come in bunches. His third in this series, and the Mets fourth of the day. Seven to nothing. Well, that gives Mets the Mets 40 on. Man, break up the Mets. How about that? They are hitting home run after home run. It seems like every time they're up, Lucas Duda hits two home runs in their win yesterday against the Atlanta Braves. And you know what? You see a guy like uh, Lucas Duda finally start hitting again. He always kind of keeps you around because there were some thoughts about, especially after the way last year ended, of maybe not having him at first base. The guy is still a great bat to have. When he's hot, he's hot. And uh, he definitely proved it in that game. So, very, uh, like I said, the, the Mets are hot right now. You got to give them the credit. Team is playing together. They have, it, it seems like, the right formula again to start winning games. It, it's not as much a struggle as it was in the beginning of the year. I mean, we still technically are in the beginning of the year, but they uh, definitely have started to pull it together. And with that being said, they are 17-9. and nine. They are currently a game and a half behind Washington, who leads with 19-8. and eight. When you have Bryce Harper and Daniel Murphy as hot as they are, it's going to be tough. You got Philadelphia at 16-12, and 12, followed by Miami at 14-12, and 12, and Atlanta dead last, 7-20. Atlanta can't buy a home run. I think they have 60 the entire year. In the Central, leading right now are the Chicago Cubs. We are 20 wins, 6 losses, followed by those Pittsburgh Pirates at 15-13. and 13. In the West, you got San Francisco 15 and 14, leading barely over the Dodgers, who are at 500 at 14 and 14, and the Colorado Rockies, surprising Colorado Rockies at 13 and 14. In the American League, you got in the East, the, the New York Yankees are in a weird spot. They're in last place. But like I said, it's still early in the season, 9 and 16 right now. They are six games six games behind the front running Boston Red Sox, who just lost Pablo Sandoval for the rest of the year. He's going to have uh, surgery and should be back by the beginning of 2017. Getting paid $95 million to sit on the bench and now be on the DL. Just not a great situation, but he may be the new DH following uh, David Ortiz's retire retirement, assuming he does go through with it. Now, uh, the Chicago White Sox lead the Central at 19-9, followed by the Detroit Tigers at 14-12. I don't know if this is even relevant, but you might as well say it. Uh, Justin Verlander is uh, getting married to Kate Upton. That was, I've seen that more than I've seen Justin Verlander pitching good this year. But uh, we'll just keep that in mind. Uh, Kansas City, the defending champions, 14-13. and 13, Still in the hunt, only a four and a half back. In the uh, West, Seattle leads 16-11. Followed by Texas at 15-13. And the LA Angels of Anaheim at 13-15. Now, one of the uh, things with... In regards to uh, Major League Baseball is player interaction. And with that being said, the uh, winner of the 2015 Insurance MLB Award for Best Player Fan Interaction went to Andrew McCutcheon of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. He spoke with Allison Footer in regards to winning the award and uh, what it means to him. On, um, of course, the family that was in San Diego, Pirates fans, they were head to toe, uh, decked out in, in their Pirates gear, holding their flag. Uh, when did you first notice them um, while you were during the game? Honestly, I didn't notice until that, that ninth inning um, when I went out there. Um, you know, 
we, we had a pretty good lead when the ball game. Uh, about to close it out, so you know at that at that moment, you know that's when all the fans start to die down from the other side, and uh, you get to hear the fans who, uh, you know, are for you, and that was the Pirate fans there in San Diego, and that's when I really noticed it, and uh, I, I saw them, I saw them then. So it was probably somewhere in the ninth inning. There would seem to be. Um very enthusiastic. It was a family of four. Uh, the father was uh, Roger McCreary, his wife Stephanie, and then 12-year-old Christopher, 8-year-old Elijah. Um, and so when what came over you, the Pirates win the game, and you run up to them and uh, give them some high fives and give them your batting gloves. Did you have that in mind to do that, or was it just kind of an impromptu? Well, you know, um, it's as a, as, a, as a baseball player, um, when, when anyone um, you know, is is supporting you, and you're away from Pittsburgh, especially. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that stands out. And not only on top of that, we're all the way on the West Coast in San Diego. So, uh, you know, for fans to come out and deck down Empire's gear, um, have their flag out to to be cheering as loud as they they could. I mean, it was four against what <laughs> thousands. And um, for them to be able to do that just shows the type of fans they are, how how dedicated they are to to being a, a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, I mean, that was the least I could do was go over there and just show my, my appreciation for that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think much of it, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome just to be able to interact with the fans. So the one of the kids, um, it was like an, a literal I love you man moment. Um, I'm sure you've seen the video. That's what really reeled everybody in was like he was so overcome and he pointed at you and told you he loved you. And, you know, what does that mean to you? Just to have the looks on their faces was just priceless. Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's something that's a... Uh, you, you don't see every day, and um, you know that, that was great. Uh, just to, to see the, the interact, the, the, well, actually, just to be able to interact with them and to be able to say how, to see how they reacted to it was was awesome. And um, you know, it's something that I could watch for forever, and um, something that I, you know, if I have kids one day, I'd be able to show my kids. And uh, not to brag, but just to to show that uh, it it is cool just to be able to acknowledge acknowledge others and um, you know baseball is bigger than just being out there on the field it's cool to have that interaction with people and um, that's something that could stick with those kids for their whole lives you just never know and um, you know and that's just a simple gesture just going out and giving giving the kid your bag gloves and, and um, you know something that could last forever. So you have this award and this is the official award you are very engaging on on Twitter and social media how special is that for you to to have that reputation? I mean, it's awesome. Um, it shows that I'm doing my job, not only on the field, but off. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we're here for. We're here um, not to just play, play baseball. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, to be able to use the game of baseball as a platform, and um, that's what I'm trying to do, use it as a platform uh, to be able to go outside of just uh, those baseball fields and, and to be able to try and make a difference. And, and uh, just, uh, I just believe that's what we're here for. We're here to serve others. and. Um, baseball is definitely helping me do that. And that's once again, congratulations to Andrew McCutcheon winning the insurance award for fan support, just like how he interacts with fans. And uh, he says one important thing, obviously, just about giving back and uh, using his platform for not just being a baseball player, but just showing that, hey, you know, the guy is a person and he cares about people that actually traveled all that way to San Diego from Pittsburgh, just, you know, just their fans like that. And he wanted to make sure that he interacted with them. I just thought it was a classy gesture. And uh, congratulations to him. That was via MLB.com. So 
that'll wrap it up for us today uh if anything uh make sure you follow the show sports sportssocialpod.com is the website once again at sportssocialpod.com available on itunes as well uh next week we have a great week of shows some special guests will be stopping by so uh definitely check in for that but until next week this is sports social with ed easton everybody enjoy the weekend enjoy cinco de mayo Please.